Hello, welcome to the self-learning podcast by Dr. Shishma Singh. Let us start discussion on Unit 20, Structural Reforms, Resources, Finances, Powers and Functions. Indian administration had been rightly criticized as being excessively top-heavy. It is a feature of colonial administration, which had persisted down the ages. And as articulated in the Committee on Democratic Decentralization, Government of Maharashtra, 1961, after independence, the government mostly relied on ad hoc bodies for implementation of programs at local levels. This led in time to proliferation of multifarious agencies, which resulted in problems of overlap and confusion at the local level. Excessive centralization has been the reason behind ineffective policy implementation. There is a growing body of opinion that ineffective policy implementation stems from improper policy formulation in that it is not inclusive enough of related concerns and does not factor the same into policy. Hence, it does not lead to relevant national policy in terms of answering directly the needs and concerns of people. Incomplete efforts leads to unintended consequences in related sectors, such those were not studied and articulated during the formulation process. This leads us to system constraints which do not allow factoring of such requirements. Decentralization is being explored as an alternative that allows articulation of related concerns at local level and leads to policies that are directly related to the needs hence relevant. In that sense, it is a system change. It is also expected to rationalize the implementation process in that resource constraints and other implementation bottlenecks can be better understood and tackled at the level at which they arise and not by a distant planning body that may be insufficiently based in facts. Also, data collection and record keeping for relevant fact supply needs to be arranged at the local level for accurate estimation regarding objectives, progress and targets. Since the implementation exercise part takes at concentrated at the field level. It is imperative to address the concerns relating to administration and planning 
bottleneck at the cutting edge that is at the stage of interface between the government and citizens the purport of is to bring distant administration closer to the people and making it citizen centric in this unit we will discuss structural reforms of local bodies in the context of resources finances powers and functions we will also discuss available infrastructure for planning and modalities for people's participation now let us discuss the point structure of local bodies following 73rd and 74th constitutional amendments a three tier structure has been envisaged for urban and local bodies ruler local bodies would in ascending order be gram sabha panchayat samiti at block level and jila parishad at district level The Gram Sabha is meant to impart a social base for grassroots democracy. The executive body of the Gram Sabha is the Gram Panchayat. Earlier, the Gram Sabha used to be a body corporate with perpetual succession and commit common seal of issuing or being issued in its corporate name of acquiring, holding. or transferring property and of entering into contracts after amendment disposition of gram sabha has been taken over by the gram panchayat which earlier used to be the committee of the gram sabha however gram sabha still retains significant say in the development matters it is actively engaged in preparation of audit and accounts annual plans annual administration reports at and its meetings are presided over by the chairman of the gram panchayat in some states promotion of unity and harmony organizing voluntary labor and contributions for the community welfare programs identification of beneficiaries for the same are some of the important functions performed by the gram sabha panchayat samiti is the next tier most developmental works coverage at this level the third tier is the jila parishad at the block level membership details of these bodies shall be dealt with in a separate unit in the course urban local bodies have also been given a uniform three tier structure however these are not hierarchically ordered as the ruler bodies in that each function directly under the state these bodies are municipal corporations municipal councils and nagar panchayats this would do away with much confusion in the urban local scene prior to the passage of the 1992 act urban local board government comprised of municipal corporations municipal councils town area committees 
and notified area committees with lack of uniformity across states. In this context, the structure and composition of municipalities varied considerably with wide differences in definition and structure between the states. The 1992 Act has attempted to instill some uniformity in the constitution of the municipal bodies by classifying them as municipal corporations for large urban areas. Municipal councils for smaller urban areas and what are termed Nagar Panchayats as suburban government bodies. However, the arrangement in practice are given rise to our unforeseen tensions. Reportedly, as per H.R. Ramchandran, certain villages that will now be incorporated in municipal areas do not wish to part with their ruler status as that would deprive them of the benefits of many centrally sponsored rural development schemes. In Tamil Nadu, 45 of the 67 town panchayas have sought ruler status to procure benefit from centrally sponsored schemes to the tune of rupees 5 lakh to 10 lakh. There is another equally important issue that needs to be addressed. The issue is a true federated arrangement at the local level where a cabinet takes decisions and is accountable to a duly elected legislature. Presently, the political executive, the mayor, is a figurehead with real power vested in the commissioner who is appointed by the state. The commissioner is appointed for a fixed term as defined by the state status. The commissioner's term in office can be extended or reduced. The powers of the commissioner are those provided by the statute and those delegated by the corporation or the standing committee. An alternative model to the prevailing commissioner model is the one implemented in Kolkata, West Bengal, introduced in 1984 and is known as the mayor-in-council form of city governance that can be described as a cabinet government replicating the formula operating at the state and national level. This system is composed of a mayor and a 10-member cabinet with individual portfolios chosen from among the elected councillors, wards in a single-member ward system rather than a multi-member ward system. It is in essence a hybridized between a mayor council CAO system and the integrated federated framework. The municipal commissioner serves as the principal executive officer subject to the control and supervision of the mayor as the chief executive officer in this model. 
the municipal corporation groups wards into Roho with each one having a committee consisting of the councillors elected from the respective wards of the borough. The councillors elect one among themselves as the chairperson of the borough. The borough committee are subject to general supervision of the mayor in council and look after sub-local functions such as water supply, drainage, collection and removal of the solid waste, disinfection and health services, housing services, lighting, repairs of certain categories of roads, maintenance of parks and drains. As opined by scholars, desired future state of affairs would be local governments enjoying the rights as their counterparts in Brazil, South Africa and Nigeria to decide the form of its political executive and appoint the same independently. Regarding municipal staff, ideally, it should be under complete control of local governments, cut substantially in numbers through private participation, contractual employment, etc., and made accountable for results. Now let us wind up the session and thank you very much for engaging yourself with the self-learning podcast.